ladies, this is Jessica Iterole. And I'm Barbara Saunders Livingston. And we want to welcome you to the Seeking Holy Podcast. A podcast for women seeking Christ in a challenging world. As you listen, we hope you'll be encouraged to open God's Word to seek Him and strengthen your abiding relationship with Christ. Whether you find yourself with plenty of time or not enough time, pour yourself a cup of coffee, grab your Bible, and join us for Seeking Holy. Barbara, you've blessed us in these episodes, and you've blessed myself working with you to get these produced. Thank you for your willingness and attention to share your story with us. In this episode, you've threaded many topics throughout, like identity, significance, security, worth, and value, subjects that we believe have touched every woman's life to some degree or another, including our own. You've also mentioned that where we search for these things really determines whether we walk in truth and victory or deception and defeat. These can tend to motivate and fuel the decisions we make each and every day and sometimes without us even recognizing it. So now that you've shared parts of your story with us so generously, I know that there are some items you want to address. Yeah, thanks, Jess. Um, So there's been a lot of talk, especially in the past couple few years, of not replacing, you know, sharing our testimonies with sharing the actual gospel message. And so, you know, I would like to be very clear that it's not the sharing of our testimony, my story, which is God's power for salvation, but it is the sharing and the communication and the proclamation of the gospel uh, that God has ordained as the vehicle by which the Holy Spirit uses to draw and convict, convince, and ultimately convert people unto salvation. Uh, it may seem a bit elementary, but our nation and denominations as a whole uh, seem to have drifted maybe far from uh, sharing a clear gospel as the main priority and ultimate power by which we are saved. So if you hear me say nothing else um, on this episode or really the entirety of this podcast for that matter, uh, please hear me when I say this. There is no word or truth, no story or testimony more important and of greater value, or which is more anointed, powerful, containing life-changing potential than the gospel of Jesus Christ. God has opened so many doors over the past 20 years for me to share my story, and He doesn't seem to have changed His mind um, in that regard. Um, And we are certainly called to be His witnesses, and that without a doubt involves in part sharing the saving difference, believing the gospel Uh, being transformed by Jesus and following Him has made and is making in our lives. Uh, Big Daddy Weave, you may have heard of them, released a song about four years ago titled, My Story. And in that song, it says, to tell you my story is to tell of Him. And also within the lyrics, it mentions an old hymn, uh, quote, this is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. So I believe, you know, there is a time and a place uh, for both the gospel and our stories. You know, just as the people uh, whose stories throughout the page of the Old Testament point ultimately to Jesus, the coming Messiah and King, and then the New Testament folks, you know, pointing to the one who came and is the perfect Lamb of God. He was crucified, resurrected, and ascended. 
And as his people, we now not only speak of all that, but pointing to the second coming of Christ. And make no mistake, Jesus Christ is the hero of all history and certainly the hero of my story. Jesus is Savior, Lord, and King of my life. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. And so I would be amiss if I didn't at least share the main themes of the gospel as I've been graciously allowed this platform uh, for a season. Um, now, each one of these themes could be you know, extensively and theologically expounded upon for hours and hours, even days and days. Um, and we could never, even if we tried, exhaust uh, the richness and depths of the genius of God's beautiful plan and work of redemption of mankind. I like what one well-known preacher and missionary said, and I quote, you know, each generation of Christians is a steward of the gospel message. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, God calls upon us to guard this treasure that has been entrusted to us. I also love and often share a short account of D.L. Moody, who was an international evangelist of great renown uh, back in the 19th century, and who is named um, in this scenario, and it goes like this. A woman once approached the great evangelist D.L. Moody to air a grievance. The woman said to him, Mr. Moody, I don't like the way you do evangelism. Well, ma'am, let me ask you, how do you do it? Moody asked. She replied, I don't. And Moody responded, well, I like my way of doing it better than your way of not doing it. So it seems to hold true uh, sometimes that the loudest, cruelest critics uh, are the ones often sitting on the sidelines, so to speak, um, and not sharing at all. All God's children are called to share the gospel, uh, men and women alike. The gospel isn't just the intro or the side hustle to be tacked on to a clever presentation. Um, it really is the message. Um, it's the message of our salvation, hope and progress of sanctification, and the source which instigates and fuels the very purpose for our being. Another gospel preacher said this, one truly born again of the Holy Spirit does not receive the gospel as an addition to his previous life, but in exchange for it. To receive one is to lose the other. I'm reminded of Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 and 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Or whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will find it. You see, Christ is the very source and sustenance. He becomes our life. Some look at those who live in such a way and, and call them radicals and fanatics or even freaks. Um, but knowing Christ, being a follower of him is an exclusive, all-inclusive, surrendered life, a sold-out life. You know, we're not going to suffice in one podcast, every jot and tittle of every powerful point which can be made about every aspect of this gospel. And frankly, you know, I'm simply a disciple. I'm a follower. 
a learner of Christ, um, a student of his word. So I will, though, while fully relying on the Holy Spirit, do my best and try. And so, you know, what is this gospel? There's four essential themes which make up the very core of the gospel message. First, the justice of God. Uh, You see, God is a just judge. He has already judged sin, and there is a judgment still coming. Well, he will separate those who are his from those who refuse to repent and believe the gospel. We will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The Bible talks about either Bema or a great white throne. Prophesied back in Isaiah 53 is how God was going to punish and propitiate sin. The sentence fell on Christ. Verse 4 there, it says, struck down by God and afflicted. He was pierced because of our transgressions, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him. Verse 10, yet the Lord was pleased to crush him severely. My righteous servant will justify many. He will carry their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him the many as a portion, and he will receive the mighty spoil because he submitted himself to death and was counted among the rebels. Yet he bore the sin of many and interceded for the rebels. That's us. <laughs> that's me, you know, the rebels, the sinners. And that's our Jesus, who God, the righteous judge, was pleased to crush him on our behalf. In Romans 1.18, it says, For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Romans 2, 5 through 8, but because of your hardness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment is revealed. He will repay each one according to his works. 2 Thessalonians 1, 6 through 9, since it is righteous for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to reward with rest you who are afflicted along with us. This will take place at the revelation of the Lord Jesus from heaven with his powerful angels, taking vengeance with flaming fire on those who don't know God and on those who don't obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction from the Lord's presence and from his glorious strength. So we can think of justness as doing whatever it takes, you know, necessary or required. If I punish my child beyond what is necessary for the correction, sometimes we would call that abuse um, or cruelty. But God is not an abuser or a tyrant. He did exactly what was necessary and nothing more, nothing less to diagnose and offer cure for our condition. You know, which begs the question, why in the world Did God have to go to such horrible, dramatic, traumatic lengths as the brutal, bloody cross where our Lord and Christ was murdered? The answer to this leads to the second essential theme, which is the radical depravity of man is sometimes called. You know, I call this the bad news of the good news of the gospel. Um, See, the good news is so good because the bad news is first really so bad. And, you know, all people suffer in essence from the same spiritual thing. Uh, We seem to like to categorize folks, but we all have the same spiritual diagnosis. And there is only one message which has the power to save, deliver, and set us free. The gospel of Jesus Christ reveals we all have an evil nature and are enslaved to sin. 
you know, some hate this part and really try and water this part down and make it an easier to swallow. Um, but this is like the first step, you know, of believing. Um, thank God the good news doesn't end here. However, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know, ladies, I was so broken and jacked up that when this verse and truth finally intersected my life and mind at about 25 years old, and I'm going to talk a little more about this in my testimony, but it, it was like music to my ears. You know, it was like a, such a relief. I finally knew what was wrong with me, you know, what, what I was struggling with day in and day out, what I couldn't overcome. And that everyone, not just me, you know, everyone alive that had lived and that will ever live is in the same boat. We're all in the same spiritual boat called sin. Colossians 2.13 tells us that we aren't just broken, you know, but we're, we're dead. And it says spiritually here that, and when you were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh. And Ephesians 5.8 tells us that we aren't only dead, but we were darkness. It says, for you were once darkness, but now you see, the gospel also relays that all unbelieving men uh, stand condemned before God and that God's wrath abides and remains upon that person, that we all deserve death. And under this wrath of God, we're all going to die in due time if we do not repent. John 3, you know, a lot of people have memorized or maybe know John three sixteen, But if we keep reading there um, in 18 through 19, uh, whoever believes in him, speaking of Jesus, is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds are evil. And verse 36 says the one who believes in the Son has eternal life, but the one who refuses to believe in the Son will not see life. Instead, the wrath of God remains on him. So, you know, the bad news, yet the truth, and part of the gospel that we have to communicate um, is that we're all sinners, and we really all deserve the wrath and punishment of God which is what the Bible is very clear about. The third essential theme, which can fall under the nature of true conversion and the biblical basis for assurance. And the Bible defines this with several terms you may have heard. They're kind of big words, regeneration, sanctification, justification, and eventual glorification. Let's just take this regeneration first. The great part um, of the good news is we could not do not even on our best hair day, Jesus did. The reality of our situation um, is dire, it's despairing, and it is desperate. We cannot save ourselves. You know, we cannot uh, change our sinful nature with a behavior modification program. And there's plenty of those out there. I, went, I tried plenty of those and failed. We cannot cure ourselves. We cannot find peace and reconciliation with God apart from Christ Jesus and his finished work. Salvation um, is a total work of God on our behalf from start to finish. 
it would have never naturally occurred to me um, to follow and serve Christ. Okay, I can assure you that I did not wake up one day in a jail cell facing many years in prison, which is true, losing everything that meant anything to me, including almost losing my own life and decide all of a sudden, you know what, I need to repent, you know, I need to be saved and born again, you know, I need to follow Jesus. No, it didn't happen that way. Um, It was what I know now to be the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. He came and he convicted me of my sin. Um, It was no longer everyone else's fault. It was me and God. And he convicted me that I was a sinner. Um, He convinced me of my need for a Savior who was revealed at that time as Jesus Christ. And ultimately, he converted me, okay, unto this salvation and this rebirth and this new life that I now stand and enjoy. Titus 3, 5 says, He saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to His mercy, through the washing of, there's that word, regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So I've heard it said, uh, I believe it was maybe Jonathan Edwards, You contribute nothing to your salvation except the sin that made it necessary. And I can certainly attest to this. The gospel of Jesus Christ calls us to repent of our sins, uh, meaning to turn away from them, to forsake them, to leave them altogether and believe. Uh, Believe what? We believe the gospel. He promises those who repent, believe, and obey the call will receive a gift the Holy Spirit, to live in them, to be sealed by the Holy Spirit as a down payment for what's to come, as well as he's a comforter and a counselor. He's the spirit of truth right now, and they will have eternal life. On to this next word, justification, Hebrews 9.22, according to the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So the cross is essential, is considered this culminating work of God, which his wrath was satisfied. So on the cross, you know, Jesus, our spotless, perfect lamb of God, drank the full cup of wrath and died in our place. His death and resurrection serves as an atoning sacrifice, a propitiation for our sins. Jesus was crucified, buried, and raised on the third day. According to the scriptures, Christ became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God through him. And that's 2 Corinthians 5.21. Romans 4.25 says he was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Romans 5.16-18. And the gift is not like the one man's sin. It's talking about Adam. Because from one sin came the judgment resulting in condemnation. But for many trespasses came the gift, resulting, and there it is, justification. 17, since by the one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So then, as through one trespass, there is condemnation for everyone, so also through one righteous act, there is life-giving justification for everyone. And so we've addressed regeneration, justification, and now I'm going to talk a little bit about sanctification. 
So true conversion, um, salvation produces a genuine repentance and ongoing sanctification will ensue. I know we talked a little bit about this in the first episode, uh, but 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says, For this is God's will, your sanctification. Um, so it's the process of becoming more and more holy, uh, like Christ in our thoughts, motives, our conduct, proof so to speak, of true conversion is this ongoing growth in holiness, remaining in Him and producing good fruit. So also part of sanctification is discipleship. Sincere and costly even sometimes discipleship always accompanies genuine conversion, requiring radical demands on those who follow Jesus. The Bible mentions such as hating everyone and anything else in life in comparison to allegiance to him, including one's own life. Talks about denying self, coming out of the world and being separate from the lusts, indulgences, and idols, considering ourselves dead to sin, not looking for excuses to remain in it. Endurance through tribulations, persecutions, and various sufferings are just some of what would be evidence the Bible talks about of true conversion. Profession of faith alone um, is not sufficient. One's life must bear the fruit of repentance and the Holy Spirit in increasing measure. And so finally, the gospel warns about uh, future judgment and really the terrors of hell and permanent separation from anything loving and of God. Jesus spoke more than any other prophet or apostle about a great day of judgment that's coming when all will be separated as sheep from goats. Many, even a multitude, will hear, depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. This week, our pastor preached a verse from Luke chapter 12, verse 4 through 5, um, it says, and I say to you, my friends, don't fear those who kill the body and after that can do nothing more, but I will show you the one to fear. Fear him who has the authority to throw people into hell after death. Yes, I say to you, this is the one to fear. You've probably heard it said so true. God will not be mocked. Uh, the scriptures encourage us to examine ourselves. And this is a great time to do that. Attending and being a member of a church is awesome. It's not wrong. However, simply going to church um, has never saved anyone. You know, we become a child of God and a member of the family of God at this true conversion that I'm talking about. It's not, you've, you've heard the argument, you know, once saved, always saved. You know, there's quite an issue with that. It's not once saved, always. It's if truly saved, if truly converted by the Holy Spirit always saved. One must be born again, you know, by belief in the gospel, evidenced by the fruit of repentance. If you're listening today and the Holy Spirit, while I'm presenting the gospel, is convicting you and convincing you of your sin and need of a Savior, I would invite you to respond with believing Him, you know, receive Him, leave for good your life of sin, repent, follow and serve Him, for the rest of your life. Amen. So all these essentials, um, the justice of God, the radical depravity of man, 
the nature of true conversion and the biblical basis for assurance, including the future judgment, can be presented and formatted simply or as theologically precise and detailed as one desires. But to some degree, um, they all should be referred to or touched on in sharing the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. A lot of prayer, work, and effort goes into this podcast. And while our goal is not to exalt ourselves or even to become widely known, we can always use help to aid us in covering our cost. We created this podcast to encourage women to open their Bibles and rediscover the great Lord. It's our first ambition to faithfully seek, follow, and obey the Lord in every step. And it's under His authority we recognize the responsibility of good and faithful stewardship. We purposefully do not have an advertising or sponsorship program. The advertising you hear on this podcast are resources we personally use and want to advocate for. Every one of them have been prayerfully chosen, and we do not charge to promote them. Occasionally, we'll share a product we're using and get a small commission. However, still, we will only vet a product that we can truly say we recommend. So while we've not created this podcast to make money, we understand that one may want to bless us with a financial gift. This is truly a blessing for us as it takes a lot to keep this program running. If you'd like to donate, please visit SeekingHoly.fm and click on the heart in the upper right-hand corner. We appreciate your contribution. And once again, we're glad to have you with us. Tune in tomorrow as we wrap up this series with a special Q&A session. We'll see you then. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe so you can be notified when new episodes are released. Also, please feel free to rate and review our podcast and share it with all your friends. Thank you for spending your time with us. We hope you're leaving with a deepening fascination to fellowship with the one who has created you for his purpose and desires to show you more of his goodness every day. 